The views expressed in the following program do not necessarily represent those of the staff, management, or owners of WGBB. Live from the WGBB studios in Merrick, New York, this is Sports Talk New York. And hello, everyone, and welcome back to Sports Talk New York. Here on Long Island's WGBB 95.9 FM and 12:40 AM, Gary Harding with you for the next hour. Uh, flying solo tonight in the studio. John Panaris is not with me tonight, um, but for the next hour, I've got a call-in guest. Again, he's famous only in his own world, but anyway, he is That's the man, weird. the myth, the legend, the uh, the guru of Isles Talk. The man who knows the draft, the man who knows everything there is to know about the Islanders. His name is the one and only Paul Kreischer, and he joins us on Sports Talk New York. What's up, dude? Oh, my, oh my God, you're going to make me throw up. What the hell was that kind of thing? <laughs> oh, my God. You know, it's like you don't know me at all. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. Uh, we got good, 56 minutes to go, Paul. Great. I appreciate there we go. that. Hey, someone's got to pick up the slack here. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got you at least you got you know, we we talked on the phone earlier today of at least you know, you're the only one in your family that's that's probably laughing and smiling right now. Oh, absolutely. No, actually uh I'm actually owed six dinners. Six uh, dinners. I, I I I suckered six Rangers uh friends of mine who are Ranger fans. Uh yeah, I told them a couple of weeks ago Rangers had no shot at making the playoffs. They're like, All right, Dinner at the Rangers make the playoffs. I'm like, oh, beautiful, free. I'm in. Nice dinners. Yep. Nice. I'm happy. You, you can you could spend a little more on other things now. Now that you know, and I could. Yeah, I and, could, and, and, and no. you're not getting a hamburger at the diner either. You get it. You're getting. A no, 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 not at all. No, this this might this might hurt them a little bit. This Does, might go filet mignon. The, I was gonna say, did Word Surf and Turf have any meeting right now? Yes. Yeah, and surf and turf works for me as well, my friend. That, that's, that's where we're going here. Oh, yes. I'll be, I'll be, uh, I'll be just thinking about you when you, when you, when you uh, take care of these bets. But absolutely. So, so clinched, clinched. Um, as I talked with Molly earlier, obviously, you know, the most important thing, the next step now, is get that, get that home ice advantage. I agree. Um. First or second, um, I will still be a little picky, though. I still want Pittsburgh in the first round. But I think the Islanders, with the schedule that they have, first place still is not uh, out of reach. Uh, if we are going by the percentages right now, the Islanders are technically in fourth place uh, because the Bruins basically have uh, two games in hand. That's one, basically one game. it. One game. One, one now? One. Yeah, they, they have six okay. left. We have five left. Okay, they're ahead of the Rangers. My fault. I was looking at the wrong New York team. But, uh, how can you do that? Yeah, you know, but we said this in the beginning of this shortened season. There isn't going to be much of a difference between first place and fourth place in terms of the separation of points. We're all going to be clunked up together. So if the Islanders can rack up first place in the division, go for it. I think that's what they're going to do heading into the next five games or so. Yeah, they and they they're not going to take Buffalo and and Jersey any any less than they would you know against Washington and that you know you um they, you, I was just going to continue on the next point. You talked me off the ledge 
last week, you know, and I will give you kudos to it. I was very, very upset uh, come that, you know, that Monday morning after, um, or a Tuesday morning, I should say, after the three games that the Islanders lost to the Capitals, and you said, "Don't worry, it's gonna be, it's gonna be fine," you know. And uh, I want to make sure I, you know, stayed on record that you know, you were you were right on the money that things would you know take care of itself, and 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 they did yeah. just what they had to do. They did, you know. Thank you again, but you don't have to do that on air from now on. It's we're good. Trust me. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Stop. Anyway, uh, no, it's you, you know what it is. The system that the Islanders have, the the system that Lou wanted to have again, and the system that Barry Trotz has been so good at implementing works. It works against the Rangers. Again, it works against the Sabers and and the Devils. It shows non-playoff teams what it takes to make the playoffs. On the flip side of that, you have a team like the Boston Bruins. You have a team like the Washington Capitals, and to a certain to a certain degree, the Pittsburgh Penguins. You know, these are the older teams that John had just mentioned mm-hmm. that have been playing a similar style for so long that they just basically beat the Islanders at their own system. They're like the older brothers. And in Pittsburgh's case, I think the goaltending has been phenomenal for them, and I think that's what's gotten them further um, higher in the standings. Uh, we'll see how that turns out come playoff time. But for me, I expected boring hockey when we play Boston. I expected boring hockey when we play Washington. And no matter how they played, I, I know a lot of people didn't like the fact that the Islanders didn't give a push. And I think a lot of that still has to do with the fact that the, the, the Bruins and the Capitals have so much respect for the Islanders that they have to play their A game because it's like playing a mirror version of them. Right. That it, it just looked like the Islanders didn't want to do anything or couldn't do anything. And I think because of the experience that those other two teams have, I think it's more of them implementing the system better than they did the Islanders because the Islanders did make mistakes earlier, and when they did, Boston and Washington capitalized on it, no pun intended, mm-hmm. uh, much quicker than the Islanders, could, and the Islanders just never recovered. But I don't get disappointed when they only lose by one goal. I know they got shut out. I know I understand that, but... At the end of the at the end of the day, it, they still only lost by like one goal. So, right, we'll we'll, we'll see what happens in the playoffs. I think they are going to have it. They are. It's going to be a different beast. But you know, let's get through the next five games first. Yeah, it, it, and again, when you look at the, you know, we said you know one to four in this division could inevitably be separated by three points, where each one Absolutely. of the other divisions. You know, you've got two teams or three teams that have separated themselves from everybody else. You know, you look at the at the West. I think what uh, I'm sorry, the Central, uh, Dallas and and um, Nashville. I think are what 15 points behind the Florida Panthers in third place. You know, oh yeah. So you know, this is this to me. This has been the strongest division. You know, I'll still say top to bottom. You know, 
you know, of of all, of all the uh, the other te- divisions in the league. You know, it's just you knew what you were going to expect. You you knew you were going to expect a war. You know, uh, on five out of the uh, at least five, maybe six. You know, Philly, I think, just unfortunately collapsed and injuries hurt them. And you know, I think the you know, as I've said, you know, time and time again, the uh, the effect of Elaine Vigneault after year one. You know, you always know his record starts to deteriorate. You know, after his first season, and um, you know, this has been just a you know a nail biting division all season long. No, I agree with you, and spot on to you, because you did bring Avino a couple of times in how things don't go well after, like, year two or three with him uh, as a coach. But uh, I'm going to go back to what Molly had said at the beginning of your show when it was basically, and it still is a learning curve for players like Kako and Lafreniere, but I'm also going to add one more into that. Um, our Terry Panarin had an extended leave of absence due to a family issue. Mm-hmm. That's right. In the middle of the season. Uh, that's another big hole to fill if you're the Rangers because you needed every player, you know, basically all hands on deck. And, you know, Panarin, for all the good reasons, had to leave the team for a little while. But even in, in his absence, I don't think the Rangers – we're able to recover from that as well. And then you include the injuries to, you know, the Rangers defense and things just started to collapse from there. But, um, I, to go back to your point, I thought this was a 16 race for pretty much this entire season up until some of the things started to happen with the Rangers. It's been fun. I, it's been enjoyable to watch the entire time. Some of it's boring, but, you know, if the scores won nothing, bet you but everyone's watching the third period at some point. Right, and and that's what you're going to, again, inevitably expect come playoff time because you don't see seven six games in the playoffs. You see you see teams tighten up and and, and get their defensive systems in order, and you got good defensive teams playing. So you expect those three two games. You expect those you know two one games, and you know as an organization, you know the way that you know that Lou and Barry have built this team. You know, there's no problem with that that kind of a, you know, a result as far as Islander fans are concerned. And I, I, I would like to add on to what Molly had said before about um, Palmieri and Zajac going to be ready for the playoffs. I think she hit that right on the head. And I think this is going to help out Islander fans who felt frustrated with uh, being shut out by Boston and Washington. Uh, if you remember in the playoffs last year, Anthony Bovillier caught fire and yes. the Islanders rode that. We went all the way to the conference finals. Uh, before that, before COVID in, in November, Derek Broussard got hot, scoring goals left mm-hmm. and right, and that was part of the 17-game uh, unbeaten streak. I think with Palmieri and Zajac taking the time, learning the system, I think if either one of if Palmieri gets hot in the playoffs, all bets are off. Don't even worry about the away record in the regular season because now we're really talking a different beast. We're talking a completely different New York Islanders team if Kyle Palmieri gets hot, and that's the biggest reason why Lula Morello got him. Um, I think a big success or key to his uh, keys to success here would be having that one player, hopefully two, 
get really hot. Brock Nelson, Anthony Bovillier, Oliver Wallstrom, Kyle Palmieri, any one of those guys, if they get hot, we're running. Yeah, do you think? I, at that point, I won't even care who we play. Yeah, no, that's that's exactly true. I, I mean, you know, we've you know we've seen Bo have those streaks, and it. it's a, it's amazing, you know, because all through it, you know, you expect a guy like Bo if he's not you know not playing well that his confidence seems to wear thin, but it doesn't, you know, and that's the good thing about this team, regardless of the fact, you know, if they're struggling or they're they're winning games like crazy. The makeup of the team, the uh, the personality of the team, you know, the the reaction, it doesn't change, and that's that's a great sign because you know usually teams, you know, when they struggle, whatever you could see it in their faces, you see it, you know, the countenance, the countenance shows, you know, um, you know when they're either going to the bench or whatever, but you know something about something about a Barry Trotz team, and I guess it's the way Barry operates and his attitude and everything else that you could see that. You know, that's, he's not going to let that happen, and um, the guys feed off of it. Yeah, and how many captains do we actually have on this team from previous teams? I mean, we still have Zajac. We have Andrew Ladd, who I'm sure is still there. Johnny Boychuk, as far as I'm concerned, should have been the captain at some point. You know he's still around, even Andy though he's Green. not playing. Green. Um you know, I'm sure Anders Lee makes an appearance every now and then. You know, there's a lot of leadership. I there's don't, a lot I, of right. I don't doubt for one second that that Lee is involved. Yeah, I, I supposedly he's he's in contact with the guys every day. So beautiful. Yeah. But they're they're all implementing what Trotz is preaching, and it just makes his life easier as a coach because then the captains, shall we call them? can work with the rest of the group, and if Trotz needs to work one-on-one with a, with a younger guy, say Barzell or Bellows, he can do that. So, you know, he's he's spoiled in a sense, but it's how they all come together, like you said. And like, like Molly said, there's a chemistry to this team that will just beat you when they're ready to. And I that's that's what I'm looking forward in, into the playoffs. Yep. Well, the rest, the rest of the segment, Paul. Let's just let's just talk about the other divisions. You know, um, sure. John had a um, a great question, and I'll and I'll basically paraphrase and bring it to you. Um, he looked at the Toronto Maple Leafs, and you know, again, taking the the JT bias out of the equation. Do do you re- um, with their past performances and judging by what's going on in the bubble, do you really think that this team, the way they're made up, has the the looks of of possibly getting out nope nope um i'm gonna have fun with this if montreal doesn't upset them i think winnipeg will okay i i have winnipeg and montreal probably in the in in that divisional finals only because they're defensive first uh you give me Carey Price over the Toronto Maple Leafs, I don't care if Carey Price is fifty years old. I want <laughs> Carey Price over the Toronto Maple Leafs. Um uh, Connor Hellebuck um should be in talks for the Vezina. Uh at least in the discussion. And like you said when you were talking with John, defense wins championships. I like Winnipeg's defense over Edmonton's. Um 
and I'm I'm going out on a limb that Montreal will pot, will beat out Toronto. If not, they're going to take them for an extended time. I know there's some you know some issues going on in Montreal, but I I and you said this before. Campbell and Anderson have their moments, but it's not the playoffs. Um, Montreal did it last year in the bubble. I think they can do it again uh, against Toronto when it starts to count. And you know they and it, and they got that addition and, to Kale Caulfield too. Yeah. Oh, did you see that goal? Yeah. That goal he had the other night. Oh wow. Yeah. This kid, this kid has got some mitts. He flies. Oh my yes, god. Yes, he does. I, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do it like this. Do you remember last year when Chicago upset? the Edmonton Oilers. Do you remember their one-star player who showed up in Chicago, from Chicago, in, in the bubble? Kirby Doc. Right? Yep, Kirby Doc. Mm-hmm. Kirby Doc, their rookie, came out of nowhere, got done with juniors, was in the bubble with Toronto. He lit up the Edmonton Oilers, and Chicago moved on to the first round, uh, into the next round. You could see a similar pattern with the Montreal Canadiens and Cole Caulfield. Yeah, it would Ta-da. be. How's that pajama, folks? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, I, I, First I, off, I, I've always, I, I really, you know, try to, on Saturday nights, if we're not, you know, at a game or whatever, I'm usually trying to watch, you know, one of the Hockey Night in Canada games, and I, and I, and I tend to lean towards Montreal because I just like the way that team's made up. I, I, I like, you know, they're back to being a speed team again. You know, and you, you know, growing up, that's all you remember with the, you know, the flying fit, you know, the flying French Canadians. And you, you know, it's just, it's a, you know, you could see there's, there's a lot of nice, nice guys coming up in that organization. And, you know, it, with, with Shea Weber, the, you know, the old vet leading the way and Carey Price again, you know, you know, the only thing that, you know, again, and you, you put these stats out the window, but the two teams that you're talking about making the difference, uh, in, in that division during the season have given up more goals than the two teams that we don't think are going to get through. But again, the playoffs, we, as we know, are a different beast. But um, mm-hmm. I, I do like watching Winnipeg too. I, I just, I like Kyler Hellebuck. And again, when he's on, he's the type of goalie that's, you know, like a Varlamov, that's going to, it's going to carry you a long, long way. Yeah. And they can do it. And, like you said, travel is going to be a little bit of a pain, but they've been doing it now for like the last four or five months. Mm-hmm. So I, I think they're all, they're in their own little zone and whatnot. But, uh, no, it's going to be a lot of fun. I, I love to see Toronto riot. And then I love seeing Montreal fans get mad at, you know, Mark Bergevin for getting through another first round because they, the Montreal fans are like Islander fans. They've been trying to get rid of Bergevin for they've been trying to get rid of him for years, just like we were trying to get rid of Snow. And you know, Montreal gets past another round, and Bergevin's smiling in his office, and Montreal's like, "Damn it, another year of him." <laughs> I can't wait to see the riots from both cities. Yeah, <laughs> can't wait. It's bad enough the Canadians can't come down to the states, but they'll they'll, they'll riot. Okay, so let's. Oh, yeah. um, Let's 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 go out west. Um, you've got a two-team race basically between Vegas and Colorado with Minnesota hanging on. I, and I think I, I would definitely right now, if you had, if I had to give a vote for GM of the year, I would give it to Bill Guerin. I think he's done a tremendous job with that team, getting the most out of guys. Again, eighteen five and one at home, fourteen nine and three on the road. Um, Kaprizov has been 
a great uh, a great add on. Um, and then looking at the the battle for the number four spot, you got St. Louis fifteen points behind Minnesota in fourth spot, uh, three points ahead of Arizona with three less games played. So it's not mathematically there, but it looks like it's pretty close. But do you not do you count out the St. Louis Blues? I do not count out the St. Louis Blues because of what I saw from Ryan O'Reilly just a couple of days ago, and I think you'll see. He was on the highlight. Uh, I forgot who they were playing. I think it was Colorado. Uh, Colorado went up 2 nothing, and Ryan O'Reilly went back to the bench, slammed the door in, and the next thing you know, he scores a hat-trick, and St. Louis topples Colorado. Um, I don't want to say that's a season-changing moment, but I think this team will go as far as Ryan O'Reilly is willing to take them. Right. And I, I personally, as a hockey fan, would still love to see Colorado and Vegas in that divisional finals. Um, that, that's one I will be staying up all night to watch, mm-hmm. but I do not discount St. Louis. They're former champs. They know how to win and, God help them all if Tarasenko gets hot. That's for sure. And on the flip side, let's just say for now, Vegas gets second place and they have to play Minnesota. Minnesota would scare me right now. Mm -hmm. Minnesota scares me because they're quietly winning. Yeah. They're under the radar. I was literally shocked when I looked at the standings this morning. I'm like, I knew Minnesota was up there, but I did not expect to see 32-14-4. and That just no. blew my mind away. But, yeah, nope. it, again, every as we said, every division is going to be a dogfight to get out. But, um, but yeah, Vegas, Vegas, Colorado is going to be, be fantastic. I mean, you know, they're, they're, they're so – Vegas is so ready to win right now. You know, I mean, to me, they're – you know, forget about the East, just looking at the other divisions. To me, they, they are the, the, the 1-20 to 20 Fully stocked roster, I think, in this league right now. So let me ask you a quick question then. Who's your starting goaltender? Robin Leonard? Yeah. That's or Mark so Andre Fleury? That's so hard because they're, they're both. Because I'm going to put you on the spot because if you give me the wrong answer, I'm going to tell Kimmy. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, no. I, if you look at the numbers, I don't think there's that much difference. I mean, I think, I think, um, Flurry's been on a lot of the high right reel, reels with some of his theatrics and some of his un- incredible acrobatic saves that he kind of gets noticed more than than Robin does. But you know, again, that's a situation where either one you're going to put in. You know, it's it's. I would say it's one A A and one A. You know, yeah, because you can't really yep. put a B next to each either one of no. them because. You know, they, they, they'd be your number one goaltender on, on 31 different teams. For sure. Oh, yeah. I can't see them. I can't see them not. But like yeah. you said, if I, if, I, for, for, for me, and because again, I'm a hundred miles away from Kimmy, she's not going to find me. I would actually go with Mark Andre Fleury to start the playoffs because he has been this good. And I would try. He may not get consideration, but I think Mark Andre Fleury 
should get the nod for for a Vezina nomination. I would think so as well. I, I really would. And, um, you know, I haven't seen Kimmy in a couple of weeks since one of the first games, so I think I'm, I'm spared. And she's graduating, so she doesn't want to get any bloodshed on her, you know. <laughs> um, yeah. But before we um, before we take a break, um, just sure. going to that question, I'll put the question on you that I put on Molly. I mean, you know, as as we see in Vegas, you got a situation of you know either goaltender, you know, can be a factor. I mean, last year we all know Vasilevsky played every single minute of every single game on Tampa's run to the Stanley Cup. Uh, could that be one of the last times you'll see that potential situation? I think so. Uh, you know, again, teams coming in, it was nothing but the playoffs. So you had to go with your number one goalie. I think that is going to be, in all honesty, I, I hope it's the last time we have to go as fans. We have to watch something like that again. Not that the tournament was horrible, but that was a lot of pressure, and I'm sure there were a lot of players and coaches who were very uncomfortable with the situation and whatnot, and I'm very happy that they got through that. But to answer your question, yes, I think that will be the last time. And, you know, as Islander fans, some of us, and I'm, I'm not picking on anyone's age here, but uh, way back when in the early 70s, even in the playoffs, Billy Smith and Chico Resch Split. shared the net on their way to the playoffs. So it's not uncommon to like like you and what Molly said to have a one A and a one AA goalie split some time, you know, in the playoffs, and not because of an injury. It's because they're both good, and it's up to a coach, you know, to make that decision on who gets to win, uh, on on who gets to play. So yes, I do think there could be two goalies uh, from here on out. Okay. All right, so listen, we're gonna, Paul, we're gonna take a break. Um, sure. you just hang on the line and, uh, we'll continue this conversation. We'll look at the, uh, at the Central Division and we'll look at some other things and we'll talk about, you know, some New York stuff. I know you, you know, you know, other things other than hockey. I, I know you do. Sure. So we'll, uh, we'll go through that. So we'll pay a couple bills and we'll be back on WGBB Sports Talk in a couple minutes. <laughs> You're listening to Sports Talk New York. Tune in every Sunday night at 8 p.m. on Long Island's WGBB. Broadcasting on 95.9 FM and 1240 AM. Or listen live online at WGBBradio.com. Stay connected to Sports Talk New York on WGBB by following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at WGBB Sports Talk. You're listening to Sports Talk New York on Long Island's WGBB. And now, back to the show. Hey, and we're back on our last segment of WGBB Sports Talk again. Just before we get back to Paul, remember, everybody, you can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook at WGBB Sports Talk. You can also visit the website at WGBBSportsTalk.com where you can listen to all past shows and check out any upcoming show information. And lastly, if you don't already, and we tell you you should, we invite you to subscribe to the podcast of WGBB Sports Talk New York on iTunes, Spotify, or just about anywhere you listen to podcasts. 
So back to you, Paul. Let's go back and finish up the NHL and talk about the Central Division. This has been an incredible war. Um, you know, uh, three of the top five teams in points in the NHL uh, are sitting in the Central Division right now with Carolina up with 75 points with 51 games played, Tampa Bay two points behind with one additional game, and Florida with two additional games played. Um, did you ever think that you'd see Carolina as a possibility of getting the President's Trophy? Yeah, I, I, I want Carolina to get the President's Trophy because then the percentages of them winning the Stanley Cup go way down. <laughs> like way down and that's the utmost respect for the carolina hurricanes who i am so glad are not in our division this year yes um sure. you know we we swapped carolina for boston but man um carolina getting that number one overall let them have the president's trophy that's fine by me yeah i mean a good you know a tremendous amount of uh of um, effort, you know, made by a bunch of guys. Alex Nedelik, Nedelik, I can never get his name right, um, won a Calder uh, Trophy in the AHL with um, with Charlotte and now, um, you know, has come up to Carolina and has done a tremendous job. So they've got a, a, a brilliant, uh, you know, two-headed monster in net. Um, you're getting contributions up and down the lineup. Their defense, you know, has lost a couple of players, but, you know, they seem to get interchangeable parts and, and have, uh, you know, have done tremendous. They're in the top five in, uh, in defense in the league. Um, you and know, to your, to your point about the interchangeable parts, with some of those players leaving, you still had a bunch of players who had just won the Calder Cup with exactly. the Charlotte Checkers a couple of years ago. They all just filled in the roles and look out. Carolina has not looked back since. No. No, and you know, Tampa Bay obviously staying right with them. Um, they have one more win than Carolina with one less game played, so they they do have a little. They they have lost more games that uh, Carolina is the number two home team in the uh, in the NHL. I think as far as losses, they've only lost three times at home in regulation, which has been I guess the uh, the big difference. You know, um, a couple of teams have won you know twenty. At home, the Islanders have 120. Pittsburgh has 120. Tampa Bay has 120. Um, and you, you forget the fact, at least with Tampa Bay, that you know, come playoff time, they're getting another player returning to their roster. Yes, maybe even two, depending on what Stephen Stamkos can do. Oh, that's I keep forgetting he's out again. That's right. Yeah. Stephen Stamkos and Kucherov could be back by the playoffs. That bothers me too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yep. Again, another another solid team. But again, that brings back that question: is that you know, do you rely? Can you rely on Vasilevsky to go through all that again? You know, I I just don't see. Unfortunately, Curtis McElhenney is a yeoman and he's you know done his service. But you know, it's it's tough to rely on him as your backup goaltender. I agree, and I, I again. Going back, you know, to the north, Toronto and Montreal are going to hate each other for a very long time uh, to renew that, you know, to renew their hatred. I can't wait to see what Florida and Tampa do in the first round yeah. if they do meet up. Because let me tell you, that level of hatred 
it's a whole new level. And it's, Florida it's, is going to make Vasilevsky work to get through that next round. It so is I a 1981 Islander Ranger hatred right now with the, with those two. And, you know, you, you know, um, I, I keep forgetting the backup goaltender in Florida and he's done, Drager, he's done such a great job, you know, filling in. He's won, I think, 13 or 14 games, you know, picked up the slack when, uh, when Bob was struggling. And now you bring in Spencer Knight, um, who's, who's looked pr- pretty much, uh, very comfortable in his first couple of games in the NHL. So yeah, it, you know, Florida to me, I would think have been, you know, overall the biggest surprise. What well, probably number one or number two biggest surprise in the NHL this season, and they're, and they're getting it done again. Another one, team that's getting it done top to bottom. Um, a lot of unheralded, but man, they, they like you said, you know, there's going to be wars in this first round, and that's going to be if that works out. I think that's going to be the wildest one. Oh yeah. There's, there's no doubt, and they're, they're gonna run Vasilevsky to the ground, and the question is, how, how far will, you know, Florida drive Vasilevsky into it? So, um, it, 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 that's gonna be war. That's gonna be the first real, first real time that those two Florida teams can actually learn to hate each other, and I, I can't wait to watch that mess. <laughs> that's gonna be an absolute phenomenal series. And that's just going to be one big mess. Now, let me and, ask you a question. Uh, I don't know yeah. the. I really don't know the answer to this, and I don't know if it's really been broadcasted out. Um, but have they decided, as far as the, um, you know, when the teams get out of the divisions, when they get to the final four, what division plays which? It is, to my knowledge, that uh, the top four teams remaining uh, will go by their. Uh, we'll go by their points. Oh, so out of okay. those four teams, it's one, four, two, three. Oh, okay. So it's not been decided that it's going to be Central West or whatever it's going to be. Okay. Correct. Based on points. Okay. That's interesting. Based on points. Okay. That's interesting. Um, all right. So like I said, we've, we've talked hockey most of the two hours, but you know, I've got to, we got to do a couple of other things, but, uh, sure. Let me ask you this. This is an interesting question. I just, I, thought i just saw it a couple of minutes ago and i wonder have you ever heard of a situation where a guy got put on the injured list for breaking a finger playing a video game have you heard about this no hazel lazardo a pitcher for the oakland a's was put on the 10-day dl because he broke his finger playing a video game which has got brian here hysterically laughing I actually can't believe I just read that like 10 minutes ago before we were on commercial break. Right. First <laughs> of all, how do you break a finger? Second of all, is he still getting paid or is he on the He's on the Ted Day DL. Oh. I, I believe, it, I believe it's on his non-throwing hand. So that's at least one thing you can you know be thankful for. Wow. I I'd still throw a glove on him. <laughs> I would. Uh, it's like uh, unless it's like bent back or whatnot, or he or he like broke his. If, if it was like his left hand and he like moved his thumb over, 
on the joystick, and he just slammed it and ended up breaking his thumb to the right side. Oh, my God. That's yeah. just yeah. Other than I, I, that, was, I don't know. I think it was an index finger. I don't think it was, you know, the thumb. How do you do that? But still. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I've got Xbox. I've got the PlayStations. I got, I mean, okay, granted, if he had an Oculus, maybe like one of those virtual reality ones. Right, okay. slammed his I might on be able wall. to believe that one. Yeah, I could believe that. That 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 makes absolute sense. But yeah, exactly. I mean, but I mean, Xbox and PlayStation, you put a glove back on them. Forget that. Oh know, my I, god! I remember. I can't remember the guy's name, but it was a, it was a, a shortstop on the uh, Colorado Rockies. I think you know went on the you know DL because he uh, I think he something he broke his foot when some frozen venison got dropped or something like that. When he was going up to his apartment, he dropped a thing of meat and it broke his foot. You know, I mean, I thought that okay. was bad. But you know, okay. But you know, stranger things. Stranger things have happened. Um, wow. You know, just watching the Mets right now. Um, you know, uh, as I as I said to John, I said the four magic letters is R I S P, and I, I just can't I can't fathom a team that is as solid offensively as this can't can't hit a lick when there's when there's a guy standing ninety feet from home plate. I this see this is where I miss small ball. Mm-hmm. This is where I miss the Willie Randolph style Mets. Uh, I miss those bunt singles every once in a while. I miss those bunts that just move, up, you know, the players over. I miss the squeeze play. Um, you know, I, I I think if the Mets did a little more small ball, uh, they they probably would generate an, an extra run or two. But at the same time, um, I think with the hitting in general. It's still cold in New York, or at least it was in April. And I think weather does play a factor. And I think as it gets a little warmer, I think the players are going to get a little more focused. Because like John said, it's 162 games. It's a very long season. No, for sure. And despite everything, they're only a half a game out. And if they beat the Phillies tonight, they're in second place. Yeah, they're down 4-2 right now in the seventh. Yeah, never mind. They'll be, they'll be, <laughs> yeah, never mind. They'll be back. They'll, they'll, they'll have sole possession yeah. of third place. But it's just amazing how, how people are reacting. You know, you look at you know, Francisco Lindor, $340 million acquisition, and he's batting 195. I mean, oh, come on. Relax. Everybody, everybody's like, you know, get rid of him now. I mean. No, oh, no, there's no getting rid of him now. No, no I, I still think you need the players to get used to. New York City, City Field, you know, yeah, he's get never, acclimated to New York. He said he's never been booed before. Yeah. No, that's Cleveland for you, you know? Yeah. Big difference then, you know. You know. New, York, New York's a different beast. And, again, I, I, I think the Mets are going to go on a nice little winning streak, probably sometime in June or July, and then we're all going to be happy again. And, you know, then, like like the Islanders, we can talk playoffs come September. Yeah, like I, I agree with John. Season's early. They're not out of it. It's not even close. They'll get it all together. They're still working out the kinks. Yeah. But I, mean, uh, I do miss the small ball. I would like to see a little more bunting, but that's that could be me. I'm a little more old old fashioned. You're a national you're a national league guy. Exactly. I am that, a national league guy, yes. Exactly that John and I talk about constantly we're national league guys. I, I just you know I'm, you know, I've but, never been a fan of the DH. I'm glad it's not, you know, it, they're saying it's going to be in next year, but I'm, I'm, I'm not a fan of it, you know, and I'm not a fan of all these other crazy rules like putting a runner on second base in the 10th inning. I mean, that's the most 
idiotic, ridiculous thing I've ever heard. Your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it is what it is. Um, yeah, I, I don't really want to see the DH either, but if they do, um, I just hope the Mets can fill in. Uh, you, know, you know what? I would still put Jacob deGrom in the DH. I know he's hitting, Except he's on the hitting, he's hitting 600, hitting. right? Yeah, I would put Jacob deGrom on the DH, have someone back him up just in case when he's pitching or whatnot. Yeah. I mean, you weren't, you weren't, obviously you weren't born when it happened, and I was just at the age, I was turning five, and I, I mean, I do remember some things, and I remember my dad talking about it, but I mean, you know, 1968, when they raised the, they raised the mound up, and the ERA numbers just, you know, pummeled it, and of course, you always hear of the stat of Bob Gibson with the 1.12 earn run average. And what kind of an intimidation, uh, fa- intimidating factor he was when he was on the mound. And, and you look at, you look at Jacob right now. I mean, I, I just can't, I just can't, you know, watching him all these years and seeing how good he is in the Cy Young Awards and everything he's done throughout his career. I can't imagine that his numbers would get even better. That his, you know, I mean, his velocity is out is off, ridiculous. I think what he's thrown, I think they said he's thrown like over 110 pitches over 100 miles an hour, and the next highest is about 30. I mean, there's got to be, you got to wonder if there's some the, some other special gift that he's got that's making him, you know, the 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 even more intimidating factor than he than he was. In his first couple of seasons, oh, the Mets just hit a home run. It's now four three. Ah, right. See, once the see once you you lose hope on the Mets, they find a way to reel yeah. you back in. Just like <laughs> they, the they reel you back in. Yeah, getting back to Degrom, he's a bully. <laughs> he is just a bully, and I love it. He wasn't a bully in the beginning. He was a very good pitcher, uh, but now. Jacob DeGrom equals fear. And the best part of it is he knows it. And all he's he wants to do out, is humiliate you. He, oh, he's out to humiliate you. He's out to demoralize you. You don't even exist as a batter when you're standing in front of the plate. He's just playing catch with the catcher and saying, hey, can you catch this one? Can you catch that one? Don't forget about this one. The batter doesn't exist. Yeah. And, and he is tormenting everyone. I love it. Yeah. I mean, and the fact, you know, we've all seen, you know, pitchers that that are, you know, that are throwing in the upper 90s. You know, I mean, I remember growing up, you know, when the big thing when Nolan Ryan hit 100. You know, and that was right after he left the Mets and went to the Angels in 72. You know, you see 100 miles an hour, and, you know, and nowadays, you know, with all the relief pitchers that, that that have the speed and everything else, you know that's going to happen. But it's just, it's incredible that watching him with that, you know, that complete game in the ninth inning, he was still throwing 99, 98. His, yeah. You know, obviously he went down a couple miles an hour, but he was still intimidating that, you know, that far into the game. It's just, 
I don't I don't know if we'll ever see another guy like that again. I really don't. He he reminds me of again, this is when I was a kid obviously. Doc Gooden of 84, mm-hmm. 85, 86. Like people batters did not want to face him either. Yep. And he's got that Doc Gooden presence. And I'll, he, he, even though this pitcher wasn't as fast, David Cohn, when he was a Met, nobody wanted to face David Cohn because you, you pretty much knew, like DeGrom and Gooden, you were winning those games when David Cohn was on the mound. And, you know, go back to a time. Tom Seaver was the same oh, thing. Yeah. You know, it, but we're in, DeGrom has reached that level. And I got to ask you, because I don't even know, uh, is there a pitcher in the Hall of Fame with a losing record? That's a good question. I I, I don't. I, I want to say, I want to say no. Um, but you know, <laughs> maybe maybe pitchers that were throwing, you know, in the late 19th century. Maybe I don't. I don't know. Maybe I don't know. Maybe I wouldn't think anybody. You know, you wonder, you know, uh, some guys have made it into the Hall of Fame with under, you know, under 250 wins, under 200 wins. But the way Jacob's going, he may not even hit, he may not reach 150. He's only at 72 right now. And he's 31 years old. Yeah. What I would love to see, go ahead. No, I'm good. You you go ahead. What I would love to see Jacob do eventually is have himself turn into like a Tom Glavin or a Greg Maddox, where you start off, or in, in his case, you're here, you're pitching fast now, develop another pitch or two to extend your career. Because Jacob DeGrom, the way he's going, he could be here another five years solid. Mm-hmm. And if he developed another pitch or two, oh, I mean, you think he about could it. End he, up being, he, he could end up being a Greg Maddox. Or he's Tom got Maddox. a great, he's got a great slider, but he really doesn't throw a curveball. Yeah. You wonder. I mean, you know, does that do, does that do, you know, is there a risk reward, you know, stress on the arm and whatever? But, you know, again, it's just, you know, like you said, that intimidation factor is like, I'm putting it out here. You go try to get it, you know, and, and Doc, and Doc was the same way, you know, I mean, he wasn't, 102, but he was throwing 95, 96, and and throwing it in in such an ang- overhead angle, you know, was saying, "Come on, you know, you want to come at me, you know, get this pitch." Come at me, yeah. But I mean, you know, because you look at some of the, you know, you know, Kershaw, you know, throws a lot of dipsy doodles. He throws a lot of, uh, you know, curves and sliders and 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 things to make you, you know, make you wonder what he's going to do. But you know. I just don't see anybody, you know, and mostly those guys that are going to throw those 100-mile-an-hour BBs don't start. They're in the bullpen. Yeah. You know, so. Yep. You know, I mean, any any young kid that's, you know, that's watching, you know, these days, you know, you know, enjoy it because, you know, you know, none of, you know, some of us have seen some of the greatest pitchers, you know, ever to ever to play the game, and and, and it's a shame, you know, because if he if if Jacob Degrom was a Los Angeles Dodger, he'd have two hundred wins by now, for sure. He'd be close. Oh to no it. doubt. He'd be close to it. You know, 
and applaud him for be, having the loyalty to stay with this Met team. You know, the Met, the Mets drafted him. You know, he's he's always been loyal to the team, and you know, he he never says a word, a bad word about anything. You know, if the guys, you know, blew a lead or you know didn't hit or you know a bad error cost him, he doesn't say a word. He just you know, hey, I didn't get it done. You know, you know he 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 takes the blame, he takes the deflection, and it's you know again a sign of a of a, of a great athlete. You know, again we don't see that often enough, but um, you know they they definitely taught they definitely taught Jacob uh, right. Um, you know we normally don't talk about English football, but um, you know there was there's a story that came out um, in the game today. Um, between Manchester United and Liverpool, which is two of the two of the top teams in the English in the English Premier League, um, had their game canceled because um, Manchester United fans actually stormed the field at what they call Old Trafford, of course the um, the famous soccer stadium in Manchester. And um, the reason they did that is because of because uh, of a bunch of Americans that own Manchester United, the Glazer family, who also own the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, were involved with starting what they call a European Super League, which did not turn out because of uh, a lot of hatred, you know, by supporters all over Europe about having this special league. And uh, it, it's something I, I never thought I would see, you know, of, uh, you know, fans storming a, a field like that, especially in England. But, you know, um, I think... Uh, after all these years of the Glazers opening owning Manchester United, I think uh, I don't know if it's the beginning of the end, but it was definitely not a, a fun sight to watch today. Oh, if only Mets fans had actually stormed the field when you know the Wilpons were owners. The Wilpons probably wouldn't have been owners for as long <laughs> as they were. Gee, what a thought that is! Uh, no, in all honesty, that's very serious. Um, you know, the fans have in fact spoken. You know, you do now have to wonder what the you know the Glazer family are going to do. Um, and just to, just to add a, add a little thought to that, right? Uh, currently in in the UK, they are not allowing fans at the stadiums. Um, they did earlier in the season, but when um, the threat level went up again and Boris Johnson locked the uh, the country down, there haven't been fans uh, supporters in. in in the stands since I believe late January, so um, for them to somehow break the gates down and storm the stadium, and it wasn't just you know fifty, hundred people; it was thousands, and thousands supposedly they did damage to to the pitch, you know, which is you know sacred as it is. But you know, I, I it just it's amazing, you know, that sports have come down to this. Well, it's. Yes, it it is very unfortunate, and I, you know, people have been going through so much the last 14, 15 months that, you know, news like that is probably like the straw that breaks the camel's back, um, you know, because once you start interfering with your sports teams, for a lot of people, it's their life, it's their livelihood. Yeah. And... You know, a lot of people have just had it, and you know, let yeah. this be a lesson learned. Yeah, I mean, I've been to I've been to games in England, and it's it's uh, 
Yeah, it, the fans are crazy. But, um, you know, I didn't want to end on a on a negative note, but I just at least want to put that out so my, my program director knows that I do talk other things other than Islanders. But we're going to end on it. Oh, we did. Two minutes. We have about two minutes to go. Um, okay. Okay. Predictions. Five games left. How many points yeah. out of ten do we get? Ten. You're hoping for ten. I know I want ten, but you really think we can get ten? Yeah, because I think um, the, the system's going to work against Buffalo and New Jersey. And in all honesty, I depending on where Boston falls, they may not start their players. They, you know, they may not do their regulars. Mm, that would be. I, I I think if the if the playoff positions are set, um. I don't think you're going to see all of the players rested. I think you're going to see a couple of them rested. Uh, but I agree with you and Molly. I don't think Trotz is going okay. to sit everybody, but maybe a couple of guys on the mend. Right. Um, you know, maybe Sorokin gets one more shot at Boston, resting up for Alamov, something to that effect. Yep. But, uh, yeah, I, I think they'll take the next All right, five. well, I... Your lips to God's ears. I hope it works. Listen, uh, Paul, we got to end quickly because we only got 30 seconds. At... Isles Talk is the place to get the information on, on Paul and his website. Under, P underscore Kreischer is his Twitter handle. Thanks for doing the hour with me. I really appreciate you coming in and, uh, you know, uh, doing a relief roll for us. Thank you, my friend. Anytime. All right. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Okay. Two hours in the books on WGBB Sports Talk. I want to thank our guests, Molly Walker, John Panarese, and Paul Kreischer for joining us. Um, definitely check us out at WGBB Sports Talk. And in the words of my Late friend, the great Bill Hayes. Keep skating, everybody. Have a great evening, and thank you for tuning to Sports Talk, Sports Talk New York, WGBB. The views expressed in the previous program did not necessarily represent those of the staff, management, or owners of WGBB.